I'm Shereen Patek, and you're listening to Making Marketing by Digiday. Every week, I talk to executives who are changing the marketing playbook for the industry one decision at a time. If there's a go-to phrase for CMOs these days, it's brand purpose, something apparently every single brand needs. For Stephanie Buscemi, CMO at Salesforce, it's not just important, even internally, it's expected. On today's episode, Stephanie and I discuss marketing a brand like Salesforce as it approaches its 20th anniversary, what it takes to turn employees into advocates, and much, much more. Hope you enjoyed the episode. Hi, Stephanie. Welcome to Making Marketing. Thank you. It's great to be here. We're so excited to have you. My first question is, when I think of Salesforce, I don't exactly think of sort of, yes, big marketing company. And yet, here you are. You had marketing at this giant company. Tell me exactly how sort of marketing fits into what Salesforce is and where it's going to go. Well, I have to say, at Salesforce, marketing is really at the epicenter because we look at um, our brand as something sacred within the company, and your brand is really uh, a manifestation of your values. Mm -hmm. And so we are very much a values-driven company. Um, Our core values of the company, uh, equality, innovation, customer success, and trust, those values transcend everything that we do. Mm-hmm. All of our decision making from simple decisions to big strategic decisions in the company and marketing is no exception. So that all gets surfaced in the brand. So I always look at it and I I feel privileged to get to head marketing at this company that really thinks intensely about the brand, the values that sit behind the brand, and are we operating with those every day? I think it's really interesting because I almost think sort of the definition of this traditional definition of when you say marketing, and I get a lot of people on this podcast who are sort of, oh, it's making marketing. This has to be about advertising. And I do think that that, firstly, I think that's wrong, but also that especially today, sort of the idea of marketing, you just mentioned all these words about values and purpose and brand building, which are completely different from this traditional definition of what constitutes marketing and the marketing function. I'm curious about how kind of having this, to me, a little bit more of a fluid notion of what marketing is, translates into exactly then how your very big department and all the people within it work, again, within the company. Can you talk a little bit about sort of connecting those dots? Yeah, I. while I have a group of people that report to me in the traditional sense, I look at every single person in the company as an ambassador of our brand. And so I see it as the responsibility of the marketing department to evangelize for the brand and educate on the brand uh, to make sure that all of our employees are embodying that and communicating that every single day. I do think the definition of marketing uh, needs to evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of times people will say, oh, that's your positioning statement. Uh, or they'll quickly get to uh, channels. Oh, that's how you talk in social or that's how you are show up at an event. Mm-hmm. And those those things are right. They're not wrong. Um, but the reality is that at the end of the day, it's much larger than that. It's about who is your company? Um, not just your products and services that you offer, but what is the values of the company? What does the company stand for? Uh, a, a very important thing for Salesforce is we've taken a very strong point of voy- view in that we believe business is a platform for change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We believe it's the responsibility of businesses uh, 
to make the world a better place. And this has been sort of from inception, right? From, Truly from inception. Right from day one. 20, we, we're having our, uh, we just had our 20th birthday. Almost an adult. Uh, yes, exactly. <laughs> ah, 21. Uh, and, but when Mark uh, and Parker, our co-founder, when they, when they founded the company, uh, they really had in their mind that they weren't just going to do good. Uh, they weren't just going to do well. They were going to do good out in the world. And they started something called the 111 model, mm-hmm. which uh, was 1% of time, meaning all employees would give 1% of their time, giving back to nonprofits of their choice. Um uh, 1% of equity of the company would be invested and in 1% of product. Now, that may not have been that much 20 years ago, but today it's a massive number. Right. Well, you're a very, very big company. <laughs> and it's it's really in the DNA because it was there 20 years ago and we've held really true to it. Uh, and it, it's, it's pretty amazing when you start with the company and being the company to think about. Somebody tells you about your vacation our vacation policy. And in that same conversation, we're talking about our volunteer policy, which is we give every employee a full week, a year to go do volunteer work, to give back. Mm -hmm. And it's really expected that people will do that because it's it's truly, it's beneficial for the employee. They get new perspectives. They get out of the office. They see things. Uh, it's beneficial for the community in which we operate within. Um, and I, I really think it's coming back and making sure that, that all mm-hmm. companies are thinking about that and then anchoring that back and expressing that in their marketing. How does How is that then beneficial, I think, for brand Salesforce? Let's call it sort of, because I think that there is, a lot to be said around sort of employees as, as ambassadors is this really interesting concept to me because you've got you've obviously got, you're obviously creating kind of a talent brand that then people want to come back and actually work actually work for because then there's word of mouth and you hear that this thing is happening. And I think that workforces today expect something completely different from their employers than they did 20, 25 years ago. Uh, the employees and the customers and the consumers, that's what's happening. That's the shift right now that's happening. Uh, employees expect their company to take a point of view. Uh, they expect their company to give back, and they're looking for that. That That's in their criteria uh, when they're out there interviewing. And that actually is what retains employees through the highs and lows of any job. Uh Salesforce employees feel really tied to the fact that, for example, one of our core values is equality. Uh, And that equality as a priority gets expressed through all of our business processes. How are we driving equality for all? And how are we operating within the community around us? And people feel a loyalty. They, They want to work with companies who are giving back. Our employees want to work for companies that are doing this, and our customers want to work for it. They're just simply more loyal customers. Um, over 90% of customers say, we'll stay loyal to a, a company that is giving back and is living authentically and with trust. How do you then, again, as CMO, then take all of these amazing stories across the organization and say, okay, how do we tell them? Because just because things were happening doesn't mean people know about them. That's right. Uh, we are really focused on elevating and sharing the stories of 
our trailblazers. And our trailblazers, these are customers who are going above and beyond. These are people, they're global shapers, they're disruptors. Uh, they're, you know, they're truly blazing a new trail in their industry, in their role, both personally and professionally. So we really seek out stories of personal and professional transformation. Give me an example of sort of finding one. and Yeah, yeah. So a really good example is a gentleman named Zach Otero. Uh, you know, Zach was working for a mining company here in the U.S. Uh, he was unemployed. He was kind of given his papers uh, and had a family and a mortgage and to serve and didn't have an advanced degree, you know, no engineering degree and was really struggling to get back into the workforce and be able to provide for his family. And Zach uh, was able to go to trailhead.com. That's our free on learning platform, which is really democratizing the access of learning tech Mm -hmm. for everyone. You just have to have a web browser. He went out there. He earned badges and got credentials to learn how to build applications. Um, The way we do this, we do this in a declarative way, meaning that you don't have to have an advanced degree to do it. Um, And then he was able to get a six figures job with that. That's his personal transformation. Mm -hmm. On the professional side, now he is a Salesforce administrator within his organization, and he is able to help the sales teams in terms of the productivity, in terms of their forecasting, all of their planning, their numbers, able to help the marketing organization in terms of lead conversion, marketing planning, all of those things, leveraging his know-how and knowledge of the Salesforce platform. So this kind of covers, obviously, I think it's, you mentioned earlier this big shift that's happened. I think that, and a lot of marketers now are talking uh, more and more about customer first. Customers need to be. Let's talk about the customer and not about sort of these like vague KPIs about marketing and all of that. Um, I think that I think that sounds really good. Mm-hmm. I think it's really hard to do in theory. At the end of the day, you are part of a very big company that needs to turn a profit, that needs to hit certain metrics. And there does sometimes seem to be, to me, the question is always, how do you then connect those dots between this sounds like a really good thing to do, these come up with great stories, but also you you need to get that out there. You need to sort of say, this is still a brand I've got KPIs to hit that might not kind of connect. Is that hard to do internally? I think metrics matter. And I think it's about changing the metric set. Um, You cannot manage... uh, what you cannot measure, you know, and um, I, I look at it and I see out there that historically marketers, as an example, in B2B have been heavily uh, metriced on leads, leads, mm-hmm. leads, leads. And of course, leads are important. They're a key to indicator indicator of revenue and revenue growth, but they're not the only indicator. Uh, there are many other metrics related to engagement. Um, think about on social, not just followers. A lot of people buy followers. Right. I and think gain reach is those, kind of going out of yeah, fashion. Yeah, reach bit. is going out of fashion. But truly engagement. So how are people engaging with your brand? And I think evolving the metric set for marketers, allowing them to focus on engagement and not just leads, mm-hmm. incense the right behavior. 
it and sense a marketer to be more focused on listening more to what the customers and prospects are saying and need, and two, um, interacting with them, giving them the time um, and space to co-create content with the customer. Really where we're headed right now is if all of your content and all of your marketing assets out there are created solely by your brand, by your company, it will be a fail. I really think we are diversifying now that much more the shift is that we see that our customers are creating the content. And that speaks volumes because Mm -hmm. if you're another, if you're a prospect and you see that our customers have created the content and they're talking about how they're and then you're what just amplifying it or we're amplifying exactly. So if they if they've created the podcast, if they've created the webinar, if they've created uh, put a post out on a social media channel, and we are simply amplifying that. Uh, it it feels a lot more authentic, and mm-hmm. it is, than having it be some sort of canned content created by the actual company itself. So you're describing kind of the ideal influencer marketing approach in some ways. Yeah, I think I want to be careful with the word influencers just because um, for so many years, influencers were paid influencers, and we don't pay anyone Um it's purely them of their own wanting to speak on about their experience with the Salesforce platform. So just like we don't pay for followers. You're not paying these we, people. Yeah, we don't pay these people. So what, what do you pay for? Let's talk me a little bit through, you know, your marketing investment as a company and where most of that goes. Yeah, um, the majority of costs go into um, content production, content syndication, so uh, putting content out on different channels. we do a lot of really rich, amazing events for our customers and our install base. You may be familiar <laughs> with one, Dreamforce. Um, and when we put those events together, obviously there's associated costs with the activations, online experience, both virtual for people around the world, as well as people who are actually there on site at our conferences. What would surprise me about sort of the returns on Dreamforce that maybe I don't know about? The benefit of Dreamforce uh, far exceeds just the revenue impact of it. Uh, It is truly a community gathering. And so the ability to bring together under one tent all of our customers with prospects, with our huge partner ecosystem, with our employees, and get them all together for the whole week. We have over 171,000 people come through over that week. Uh, it It is the ultimate uh, feeding ground for new content, new thinking, new ideas. So we always come there with things that we want to share with customers, new product launches, things that we're bringing to market. And then we always leave there with our cup runneth over with so much more that our customers and partners and ecosystem brought to the table. Another example of something that came out of Dreamforce that, again, you didn't expect or go in sort of thinking about. Yeah. Another example at Dreamforce is we host within Moscone Center in San Francisco Dreamforce. But if you look beyond the four walls of Moscone Center, the amount of 
events, content, activity, and interaction, it covers the entire city. Mm -hmm. Uh, We are now reaching down to the Southern Peninsula to even try to find a hotel room for somebody to stay in. Uh, Dreamforce creates over $200,000 jobs Mm -hmm. in San Francisco. So things that you wouldn't expect, I didn't for a long time realize the impact of job creation Mm -hmm. for Dreamforce. And I didn't quite right out of the gate see, but now we track and look really closely to see how far reaching Dreamforce is becoming beyond just our activations within the main Moscone Center. What about beyond, um, sort of even beyond kind of the physical realm of Dreamforce itself? Because you've obviously got a huge level of social content coming out. You've got a lot of things going on around it. You want to not just reach people who happen to actually see or experience or even touch it somehow in that physical realm, but pretty much anyone in the world. Yeah, so two things related to that. One, while Dreamforce is happening, we have Salesforce Live. Mm -hmm. So we have millions of viewers literally every day coming on and engaging with the content and experiencing it via Salesforce Live. We also do uh, Dreamforce parties around the world. So local offices, we host and we bring together our community of local customers together to experience it and then have hands-on sessions and working in dialogue. And then at the end of Dreamforce, we really look and say, what were the most meaningful conversations? What resonated most? Kind of think of it as the best of Dreamforce. Mm -hmm. And we package that up into a single day which is tough to do, but we package up to a single day and we go out to a dozen plus markets around the world and where we take that into that local market. And we're bringing those stories and we're bringing all the best of Dreamforce for those people that can't get there. What I love is sort of, again, your definition of marketing is is much broader, I think, than the traditional kind of way people think about marketing. I mean, Again, you mentioned brand purpose and all of that in the early, but also you've got an event, you've got and then ways to amplify those stories themselves. What is the most difficult part of managing all of this? Because essentially what it seems like it is that marketing and brand building can be literally anything within Salesforce. um, But that, I'm sure, comes with its own kind of organizational challenges. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I think I see it as an opportunity and a privilege, and I'll tell you why. We believe business is a platform for change, and we believe businesses should have a point of view. So when I say privilege, I'm getting to work for a company that is comfortable taking a point of view. We believe in equality for all, and we are going, as an example, and we are going to ensure that that's reflected in Mm -hmm. everything that we do. I think it it's harder for some companies out there where maybe they haven't yet established what their point of view is or are not comfortable yet communicating their point of view. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's something that marketers are going to have to grapple with and work with their executive leadership teams on. Because today, consumers want to interact with brands that are taking a point of view and are promoting diversity and inclusion out there. And if they don't, they're going to go with another brand. Does every brand need a brand purpose, though? Does every brand? Because, again, this is this is I would say if there was a word or phrase to characterize last year, it definitely felt like everyone felt that they needed one. And my question has always been, 
sure, maybe for a tech company that's transforming thousands of lives, does every brand really need to have this sort of we're out to change the world or we're out to make a real difference point of view? Is that something that everyone should be expending energy on? We believe absolutely that every company has a responsibility Mm -hmm. to make positive impact in the world. And whether that company chooses to do that through social values, through environmentalism, through equality for all, whatever that is for that company, we believe it's absolutely the responsibility of the business sector and all businesses to do that. Um, I think it's really important. The challenge right now is how that is done, uh, in particular how marketing shows up, because it has to be uh, done authentically. It cannot just be talk. Uh, I've seen a groundswell of advertisements and things out there where you know people will wash words like trust on things. But then are they able to back it up? Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important that anytime you are speaking to your values, that you're able to then very quickly speak to the actions that you're taking. Because people will find out. Yeah. Otherwise, um, it's just talk and you're not walking the walk. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really critical. And that's something that I'm very proud of with Salesforce. I mean, 20 years ago not just in vogue right now, 20 years ago, our founders said, this is going to be important to us. And it's been in the DNA of the company the whole 20 years. And every employee feels tremendous pride around that. But I don't think you can just put it on the shoulders of the marketing department to put these values in words and marketing copy. There has to be um, initiatives that go across the entire company that every employee feels ownership for, not just the marketing department. You mentioned trust. I'm sort of going to change tack a little bit because I think there has been also a lot of chat around sort of how much trust has been eroded overall in the marketing ecosystem, whether it's trust between CMOs and their agencies, between uh, agencies and their partners, trust with consumers and platforms, CMOs and platforms. Do you think that there's a trust problem in the marketing industry right now? I would say specific to tech that we are in a trust crisis. I mean, you can you can look across media and see the conversations, the things that have happened within tech uh, that have broken trust uh, in the eyes of the consumer. And so I can say it's a big focus to ensure that we restore trust. Uh, also, our research shows that it is critical. You know, 90% of consumers out there say they will stay loyal to a brand they trust. Mm-hmm. Pretty obvious, but that's compelling there. 92% of those consumers say we will also buy add-on services and products from companies that we trust. Uh, so not only is it a, about doing good, but for your business to do well, it's a necessity. It's mm-hmm. an imperative uh, for the entire company and for marketing to focus on. What about within um, within the industry? Talk to me a little bit about sort of the conversation you know that you have with agencies and other partners around. Do you trust them as to again have your best interests at heart? Because that's something that has been a large conversation over the last few years. Yeah, I think the way we engage with our partner ecosystem of agencies is different than it was. Three years ago, five years ago, 10 years ago, in that the conversation has expanded to include things 
like business values. So if you looked maybe historically and and how a marketing department may interact with an agency, it may be more a review of their capabilities. What are the core capabilities of that agency and how well do we think they do those things or not? Um, That has expanded. We spend more time understanding uh, who is the management team of the organization, what are the values of the company, how do they interact? Because the way they are an extension of our brand as we are of theirs when we're interacting together. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think there's just greater due diligence interaction there and more focus on getting a good match with companies that share the same values as us. And a shared responsibility. Exactly. What worries you? What worries me? I I think skilling up all of marketing for where we're headed in the direction. So consumers are getting information at scale. Uh, marketers are focused on how to be more, most relevant to them. And do the marketers today, are they modern marketers that they have the tools to be able to go and honor that. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, we've had years of hype cycles around different marketing channels. Uh, And so- Which one are we in right now? Pick your channel, I'll leave that alone. (laughs) But I think people get specialization in each channel Mm -hmm. and there will always be a new channel. And I think it is much more now about us focusing on how do we orchestrate that consumer experience? How do we orchestrate the customer experience? We have a maniacal focus on that in our marketing department. We understand that we have a raft of technologies and that we have different channels at our disposal, but they're tr- not really, they're meaningless if we aren't really focused on what is the overall arching experience? What's the personalization of that? And my, my worry is that will marketing organizations be able to do that with the speed and the scale that's required in this information economy that we're living in here now? It needs to build, again, a new type of marketer or marketing organization than has been needed historically. Right. If you look, a lot of CEOs today are leaning in our state of marketing report we saw it very clearly leaning much more on heads of marketing and CMOs to orchestrate that customer mm-hmm. journey that customer experience and that means as CMOs we cannot think about within the four walls of the marketing department we really need to think of ourselves as orchestrators operators across an entire organization Think about all the different touch points Mm -hmm. in a customer experience. I have to reach across to my service organization and understand what's happening in there and understanding that every service interaction is also a marketing interaction. Mm -hmm. Every sales interaction is a marketing interaction. Historically, I think people have focused within the four walls of marketing and the marketing channels at their disposal. And there's a much larger remit here. And as marketers, we need to be able to think about that end to end. And we also have to have the technologies in place to scale to do it. I wonder how much sort of the impact of these DTC digitally native brands has 
has contributed, I think, to this sort of way of thinking, too. Because, again, you've got, you know, some of the newest and most popular brands right now are are marketing brands, really. And a lot of them are arguably just marketing brands. But you've got founders who are equally obsessed with product as they are with how what it takes to actually market that product and build a brand. And one thing you can say that these brands have done, I think the jury's still out on many of them and whether they'll, you know, last the next five, six years, but they've all managed in some respect to build the brand. And I wonder how much of that is, I don't know, having an effect or some kind of um osmosis on just the marketing industry as a whole, watching these brands grow up. I think it's definitely having an effect because it's about uh, authenticity. It's about creating a conversation with the consumer. Uh, The consumer wants that. They want a dialogue. They want to be heard. They want personalization. And if you look, a lot of those brands have been effective in doing that. Now, you can't just have that and then not pay it off with your product and service. It's the balance of both. But there's definitely the tolerance for people to be pitched is zero. (laughs) Uh, And the more that you can engage with the consumer and have their fingerprints literally on everything you do, the better off the brand will be. Amazing. We'll end on a positive note today. Stephanie, thank you so much for being on the show. No problem. Thank you. And that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. Our producer is Aditi Sangal. If you like the show, here's what you do. Leave us a review and a rating on iTunes, hopefully five stars, or wherever you're listening to this podcast. It helps new listeners find us. Tweet at me your thoughts. I'm at Shireen Bhattik. You can send me an email at shireen at I can't wait to hear what you think. Thanks again for listening. 